Okay, a lot of politics this week. It won't always be like that. Hopefully not always like that, but that's what it was about this week. Uh, it was busy, but we did it. The conversation went well. Um, I talked to Andrew Engdahl, uh, old friend of mine. I'm still learning the process. The audio quality wasn't where I wanted to be. Uh, we decided to record outside, which seems to have been a mistake. Sometimes the audio is a little spotty. And there may be some ambient noise, but good overall. Uh, the conversation was recorded when Trump had COVID a couple weeks ago. But I don't think that's going to matter much uh, content-wise. We didn't really talk about day-to-day things, politics-wise. Uh, Andrew and his wife, Kim, were nice enough to have me over for dinner beforehand. By the time we started recording, we already had been talking for about two hours and it was getting late, so we cut it off a little early. I think from now on, I'll probably record right away. We spoke about uh, the conception of truth, macro trends in history and politics, the current state of the United States, AI, um, disinformation online, and whatnot. Uh, by no means are we exhausting these topics. We may and we will talk again in the future, hopefully. I'm still learning, improving. I noticed I jumped around a lot of topics. Um, I mean, I'm always going to be my own worst critic in that regard. But I believe it went well. I would like to practice being a better listener, though. And so I'll attempt to steel man Andrew's argument. And if you're not aware of what that is, it's the opposite of a straw man fallacy in logic. Which is when you repeat someone's argument purposely in a bad way to make it easier to, make it easier to argue against. With that in mind, steel manning would be the exact opposite, explaining someone's argument in the best way possible. This is always a good exercise if you find yourself at odds with another person, and it's really the only well-meaning way to debate somebody or have a conversation. Uh, We hardly disagreed at all, but at which point we seem not to align is probably the power and influence in which the this new authoritarian left has. That's my word, not his. Uh, how many followers they have, or how much of a threat they are to liberal values and to the United States. Uh, Perhaps you might say that this new uh, quote-unquote woke philosophy is really just ideas or a small minority of people, and not necessarily manifesting itself into reality just yet. I believe he might also point out that the far right is just as much as a concern. Also, I think he would say getting Trump out of office is probably his highest priority right now. Although these issues are not mutually exclusive, you can obviously criticize both at the same time. My criticism my criticism of the left doesn't enable the right. His point is a fair one, though. At a basic level, I would say Andrew is much more optimistic than I am. At any rate, Andrew has an incredible mind. He thinks deeply and passionately about such things and has really pushed me to be more articulate and open in my thinking. And I look forward to many conversations with them in the future. Um, This criticism might come as a surprise to people that I know because they know me as, they know me to be a fairly liberal person. But I believe it's our responsibility to police our own. I might even seem a little hard on the left, but I don't think that as of this, I, I do think that. As of this year, they really are the most dangerous group in the United States. In fact, I've said that for quite some time now, perhaps a couple years. 
That doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. For example, far-right groups might become emboldened or threatened by a Trump loss in November and could easily take to the streets as reaction. Um, that might be kind of scary. That being said, after our conversation, I read an article published on a Swiss website by Heather Hying. She's a PhD biologist here in the States. I bring this up because she's much more eloquent in her criticism than I am. Uh, she is the wife of Brett Weinstein. Um, he's also a PhD in biology. You may or not, you may or may not know who Brett is, but I encourage you to read and watch what happened to him at Evergreen State College in 2017. Her article includes that uh, summary, but I'm not going to read it. I am going to read the um, first couple paragraphs, though, if I can, and I encourage everyone to read the rest. I might link it in the bio. Anyway, she starts out, George Floyd died under the knee of a police officer in Minneapolis on the end of May, and people spilled into the streets of American cities, outraged at police brutality and racial bias and exhausted by COVID-19 lockdowns. In Portland, Oregon, where I live, these protests turned into riots nearly every single night last summer. The homicide rate climbed to its highest it's been in 30 years. One late night in mid-August, a man was dragged from his car and beaten by a small band of thugs. The next day, a blue, on a bluebird sky morning, some of the few stores nearby that were not boarded up had shop owners out on the sidewalks, cleaning up from the mayhem on the previous night. In this once bustling downtown, normal human activity is almost ab entirely absent, while the sun shines, and at night, the chaos resumes. Fires are started, people are assaulted, human feces is literally thrown around. Some would tell you that my mentioning these facts is evidence that I am on the political right. In fact, I am and always have been on the left. Liberalism had many big wins in the 20th century, securing rights for women, people of color, and workers, the advent of disability law, environmental protections, just to name a few. But there is much more to be done. Even as wealth grows, the middle class is disappearing. Healthcare and education costs climb, while quality plummets. And we are polluting our air, water, and soil at unprecedented rates. Extinction rates are rising, and the habitat is disappearing under the call for more oil, lumber, and spaces for people to live. The gains made by 20th century liberalism and the chance of confronting the big issues still before us are being eroded by a new ideology. This ideology, called the woke left, or the authoritarian left, traffics in blatant falsehoods and untestable claims. It is focused on markers of identity sex, race, and disability, and, effect and effectively carves out ways to divide us, rather than unite us in our common humanity. We're being told, for instance, that men and women are exactly the same, indeed that sex itself is a social construct. This is a fiction, and threatens to disappear many hard-won protections for women. Nature Magazine, one of the world's top scientific journals, now inserts into its news stories the claim that sex is neither, neither, binary, neither binary nor fixed. They do this even in articles that are literally about differential outcomes by sex from diseases, including cystic fibrosis and COVID-19. In central to a season of protests, there are normal, uh, nominally responding to society-wide racism. We are asked to believe that all white people are guilty of the original sin of racism, for which there is neither cure nor forgiveness. Loyalty oaths are demanded, admit your racism, or be shamed, or even fired. If you're not in fact a racist, defending yourself against false claims is itself evidence of your racism. Self-defense is taken as proof of guilt, a perfect 21st century Kafka trap. <laughs>
The American Psychological Association, which oversees accrediting for psychologists in the U.S., has declared that every institution in America is born from the blood of white supremacist ideology and capitalism. As usual, there is no evidence for this claim. Similarly, the K-12 schools in America are widely promoting and enforcing an equity agenda, which forces not just teachers but children to accept these untestable and divisive beliefs. This new ideology is nearly everywhere you look, in the media and in the courts, and the rise of the diversity and equity inclusion officers and departments throughout corporate America. But it started in the universities. Um, I do think she's right. These... This ideological trend seems to be started and flowing through universities. You can read about quite a bit of professors, even professors who are tenured, being canceled, chased out of classrooms. They can't speak their minds. Um, I struggle to articulate this point several times in the conversation, but given time to reflect, I would say that the current climate on the political left for anyone who knows anything about history, is extremely troubling. Frightening, even. There seems to be a large and growing group of people on the left who are trying to break down the fundamentals of liberalism, the Enlightenment, mathematics, and even logic. The ideas and methods being used are strikingly, eerily similar to things that we have seen in the world before, and this commonly ends in thousands, if not millions of people dying, most often in war, if not by something more grotesque. There is another way. In the future, I want to move on to different topics, so I'm not going to labor on this point too much further. When I, when I put out the trailer, I started receiving a few things I didn't expect. I started to get people sending me messages on social media with conversations they were having with others on the opposite side of the political spectrum. This is really the opposite of one that I wanted to promote. As a general rule, I don't argue about politics online. I, to be perfectly honest, whenever I see a friend posting something polarizing, politi polarizingly political on social media, I attribute it to some kind of mental illness. I mean, I really can't express how much I don't want or care about these types of conversations. In fact, I often say that I attribute political posts on social media to be some kind of social masturbation. So please, I'm begging you, please do not masturbate in front of me. I can't believe I have to say that. I really do see this as extremely unproductive at best. Not to mention, you will lose many, many friends over it. I have several other conversations to come. Uh, of topics planned like uh, fitness and diet, nutrition, uh, starting new businesses, uh, depression, anxiety, mental illness. I have a couple personal friends who may come on who I think are just the funnier, better storytellers that I know, and they're always good for a laugh. I may even have another friend convinced to record the first hour or two after taking an eighth of mushrooms. <laughs> And if he doesn't agree to that, I might do that podcast alone, as I think it might be beneficial for a wider group of people to know what that's like. Anyway, at long wait, I give you Andrangdal.
How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Awesome. Got my wine. Had a really nice burger. It's been uh, a good yeah. evening so far. It's been uh, very generous. Uh, thanks for having me over. On uh, where are we? Uh, Sebastopol. San no, Rosa. we're in Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa. That's right. Old town. Um, anyway, I wanted to have you on because you're a student of history, as I know. Yes. You're uh, very politically minded, um, and I know that we're going to disagree and agree on some things, and it should be fun. Yeah. But I wanted to. I think there's a problem. Okay. Um, I think there's a problem in the country. Okay. And I think it's, I think I have it whittled down, but I wanted your opinion on it to where, why we, it seems like we're so close to like civil war. We're like right on, it seems like, I don't think, I don't think that's the case, but we're like right on that edge of where we can't talk to each other one, like one-on-one -on -one anymore. The internet makes everything worse. So, um, it just seems like everyone, you're either right or you're left. You're either black or you're white or it's, it's that, uh, it's this weird thinking and I think I have it whittled down to, I guess the most recent iteration of this is, it's the social dilemma on Netflix everyone's talking mm -hmm. about, which is weird because, I mean, when I watched it, we've known this for a long time, that the internet creates these, these uh, thought bubbles, it creates these uh, echo chambers, and it's not that like tech companies are malicious, it's just how the algorithm works, it's just... Mm -hmm. You know, you like something and it feeds you something just like it to get your eyes on the page longer. It's, you know, it's, it's for ads, it's money, it's clicks. Um, but over time, what that's done since 08, 10, since we were ever in high school, that's all that's done is purify and purify and purify. And all of a sudden, nobody can talk to each other. And I actually think it goes one step further where I think, well, who was it? Was it Facebook's motto was, or Google's was uh, move fast and break things? that Facebook? I think that's Facebook. I think it's Facebook. Google, Google's whole thing is don't be evil. Don't be. Okay, that's right. I think it's Facebook was move fast and break things, and I think they were right. They did move very fast, and they broke something. I think what they broke was truth. Mm. Capital T, truth in society. Um, because we don't all agree on what the proper truth-telling mechanisms are for a society. Um, like, back when Christianity was the was the dominant religion our truth-telling mechanism was like the bible this is where truth comes from and for a while we would argue about that then it became maybe more scientific and now it's it's not it's whatever your your bubble is so in that sense um that's where a lot of these weird philosophies are coming from like if you ever and i feel bad for kids growing up in this because they come out and I, the only reason I mention this because I have a lot of conversation with people, especially like young people, and the conversation always ends up the wrong way, or ends, it ends up the same way as, well, that's your truth, and, and this is my truth, and I guess we'll, we'll just leave it at that. It's like, no, hold on, hold on. There has to be, we have to agree on something to be true. And so for me, I try to not be ide ideological about anything, that truth for me is always okay well it's got to be something that self falsifies itself so in ideology the self falsifies itself that's how we find truth and for me that's science it has to be science works on falsification it doesn't tell us all the answers but it gives us that self-checking framework philosophy works the same way but now i can't even talk to people about that it's like we move so far away from that but I think we do need to have a conversation about what constitutes a true thing and how we find that. Because mm -hmm. if you're just talking about your ideology or 
maybe you you're a part of an ideology and that's kind of the uh, makes up the better part of your thinking or the base of your thinking like say if you're a christian no offense to christians um if you're a christian you're only gonna want to hear things that justify your ideology you're never gonna try to falsify yourself that's why i, I like the science worldview because it tries to prove itself wrong. It's falsifiable. It's self-falsifiable. Mm-hmm. It's like how the government works. It checks on itself. Well, it's how it's supposed to work. It doesn't work like that. But it checks on itself. So, I mean, am I even in the right ballpark there? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in my own echo chamber. I have no idea. Like, I talk to people, and that's... I feel like... Am I just feeding my own ego at this point? Or is that... There's got to be some semblance of truth either big T or lower T. Well, so there's a couple of different, well, actually there's several different topics we could unpack in that, that statement that we, we just discussed. Um, I think, well, where do you want to take it? Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Where, where would you like to take it? Is it, do you want to discuss the division that exists in the country or do you want to exist the concept of truth? Cause we could, those are two What's- very related but different one, one comes before the other. So let's unpack the truth, because, I mean, that's more philosophical and foundational. Mm-hmm. And then that division, I mean, we're going to end up talking about that division because that's born out of that, that truth problem. So I was, I was thinking about where I was going to start this. I was either going to start at the top and work my way down to what I think is foundationally the problem, and that is conception, uh, conception of, conceptions of truth and how we find that. And I think I want to do it from the bottom up. That's why I started with the hard stuff. And there's probably just a bunch of people just turned off their, their, uh, <laughs> their. Uh, Don't their overthink it. Here. We should be having these conversations <laughs> yeah. right now. If someone doesn't agree or doesn't want to hear it, that's up to them. But I think we would be better served if more of us were listening to what each other has to say, and of then course. having a productive conversation to find a better path forward. Yeah. So your, what are your thoughts on? truth and how to find it and our methods and how we find ourselves today well let's start with the concept of truth in general um we truth can be thought of as being a platonic ideal and what i mean by that Mm -hmm. is that there can be perfect forms in but it's a sense that truth as it exists there can be one reality there can be one existence Object- that we are all objective in. reality as opposed to some sort of subjective reality. I feel I've, so we're on the subjective side of that. I feel like right now, mm-hmm. as a nation, culture, earth, world, somewhere in there, pick your pick your poison. But I mean, like there there are philosophical concepts, mm-hmm. but then there's what is the truth. Yeah. So to me, I, I like to look at things, and this is something that from a historical perspective, there's a lot of different houses of history. Mm-hmm. There's Marxist history that sees the development of society as being a haves and haves nots situation. Power between, like, and, and analyzing labor it's as a, like how that's a lens affected. you can look at the world. Through. Exactly. Yeah. There's, a, there's several different types of lenses. Uh, I'm more of an empirical historian. Okay. So what I like to look for is let's collect all of the evidence. So, for example, if you're looking at Hitler as a person, okay, you want to read, read all of the information about him in German sources. You want to read all the information about him in American sources. Anything that had to do with things that he did to understand the depravity of what 
the Nazi party was able to do to Germany. Yeah. You have to go and see Dachau. You have to go and understand that though there's archaeological evidence, there's all kinds of different sources. There's primary sources that might be like the actual internment camps. Yeah. Or letters written between Hitler and Eva Braun. Mm-hmm. Like those types of things are primary sources that's mm-hmm. from the original person, so you can't really discount Yeah. Because it was built. You can it take into written. account yeah. why they might have said that and their influences, but it's yeah. a primary account as opposed to a secondary account would be somebody writing about one of those things. Exactly. Secondary sources would be any textbook you've ever read about any historical figure. Yeah. Like, that's someone trying to channel writing out what the truth was, because that's what history is trying to tell, is what happened before us that got us here. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that I love about history, but you have to read a lot of it. And you have to think yeah, critically know. about the sources that you're reading, because what is this author trying to tell me? Are they pushing an agenda, or are they telling it the, the facts? Mm-hmm. Look at the sources, try to go make your best opinion based on all the information that you can find, like yeah. a detective might do, where, what are all the clues? Does it, does, can we prove that this suspect was the perpetrator? Mm. Like, you have to think about things in those types of senses, and I think, at the end of the day, there is a truth. I, for example, can have a sip of my water. I have drank the water. Mm-hmm. Like, Kim might not think that I had done this kind of thing, but I, it's been done. Yeah. There is a reality that is happening that you can observe, that we can observe. It's measurable. It's and measurable. Testable. And testable. Okay. I think truth can be that kind of concept as well what the truth is but it, yeah we as humans are not the most trustworthy no we're not and it's usually the opposite um but I there is a concept of truth and i think that we just are trying to understand through our keep own lenses. trying to find that okay. yeah yeah um or if we i mean science is really great i mean it's done so much for the world it's done mm-hmm. i mean i think part of the the bad out there or those part of what i don't like is it's science and even you can even bring terms of like capitalism and it brought us so much and it has its problems. Same thing with science is not foolproof. I mean, there's problems with ego and whatnot and peer review is not perfect, but it's brought us so much and so far so quickly that I think people don't realize how bad the world can be and how good the world is now, even amidst COVID, even amidst um, like what, what, time in history would you rather have a pandemic half of us had a great time and just watch netflix the whole time i mean think of 30 years ago or 40 years ago having the same pandemic you're stuck in your house i mean you probably still have a pretty good time if you have a decent book collection but yeah we also had 40 million people uh registered for unemployment <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. so it's oh, like, i mean i was one of those i wasn't yeah. working through any of that and i was still having a decent time i mean most of us aren't starving. There are still bad things in the world, of course. Mm-hmm. Most of us are having an okay time. So, but I just can't stand the, the end-all, this apocalyptic thinking is, oh, it's annoying. But um, actually, before, before we go on, maybe because we're going to end up in politics, because I, I know we are. No, I'm that's fine. probably make us there. But uh, maybe explain where you find yourself politically, and I'll, I'll do the same. Or if you want me to go first, that's fine. Uh, but political stance, wing, party philosophy, anything well, in there? Well, I can tell you, I, from a political standpoint, I grew up in a Republican household. Okay. But I would say that we were 
if you could codify us as anything, it would be libertarian, mostly. It's, we were socially liberal, pretty progressive house. We were very accepting of people of all races, religions, like, uh, ethnic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Had to have some heart heavy conversations. Keep going. Um, one with uh, my father uh, about um, as any as any boy does. Yeah, about some heavy topics about that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But for the most part, we our family has been very progressive. Um, and progressive in the sense that. Maybe... Like Teddy Roosevelt, kind of progressive. Like okay, like honest hard work. Like the. We, our, our family was a Ron Paul family when, uh, when it was, uh, the, when we were like McCain ended up becoming the Republican, like, so pretty Republican household, but not, not super conservative in the same sense on on social issues, but very much focused on. Do whatever you want. Leave me alone. Exactly. Don't take all my money. Yeah. Don't take, yeah. Don't (laughs) take my money if you didn't work hard for it kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, But I would say that for me, that's the kind of household I grew up in. I've worked, lived in the and in the Silicon Valley and worked in this workforce for a long time, leading teams and working as an individual contributor in sales yeah. capacities in corporate. And that's hard work. It's it's honest work for people who do it honestly. And um, but it's a it's a grind. Yeah. Quarter updates every time. But. Um, I've been in that kind of environment, and I know what that capitalism has got brought me a lot of great aspects of my life. I've worked hard for what I've earned, um, but at the same time, there's a lot of our society that is struggling right now. There's not didn't start at the same starting line. Exactly, and in one I've, form or another, it's multifaceted. It's not even just a economic race. I mean, it, it's there's a thousand variables of. Did you have two parents in your household? Mm-hmm. Did you have a mental illness? It's, I mean, I think many people, things people outside like of to people's control. Put it into like, were you white or black? But there's, it's a, a thousands of, of variables going into this. So for me to have, like, I've tried to study what is the right thing to do. Yeah. And it's a big category. It's a big category. Um, but I mean, like, I grew up in the Scouts. Like, I tried to be someone, like, captain of my wrestling team. Like, I wanted to be somebody who made a difference. But, but what does making example. a difference mean? Like kind of thing that is relative to every person. Mm. But to me, I think that there's there's a lot of things that have been set up in our society that have been wrong. Understanding our history a lot more in depth to as it relates to things like uh, the legacy of Jim Crow or slavery yeah. before that, or the transatlantic slave trade and colonialism embarked upon by the European powers taking Africa and the Americas. Yeah and affecting the world markets by taking control of the oceans. Like, there's a lot of those types of factors that have affected our societies and how we treat other cultures and other, yeah. other religions, other languages that people use. People's identities are at stake. And if there is any type of political ideology that isn't trying to get us all on the same page that humans are humans yeah. and that we should all treat each 100%. other equally, yeah. um, Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that should apply to all people and in equal measure. You shouldn't matter where you were born or how. Yeah. It's funny you bring up um, history because I remember when I was a kid, we were just moving into history was all about how good America was-ish. And then when I was a kid, maybe I just remember because I was a kid, maybe it started before that, but we were just moving into 
oh, America actually did some bad things. Mm -hmm. It was like the People's History of the United States, Howard mm -hmm. Zinn, was published some time back then. I remember reading that. That's a hard book to get through. It's very It's dense. very long. <laughs> but the first, the first chapter is about, like, Columbus, and that's where, like, we mm -hmm. are today. But then there was this, like, it's weird how we were the out... If, if you thought that, you were the outcast back then. And then it totally swung the other way, as opposed to now, where if you even mention Columbus or Columbus Day, you're just the worst person imaginable. And America is this patriarchal, white supremacist hellhole that's never done anything for anybody. It's like the total swing back in the other direction, depending on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, there's got to be some middle ground to any of that. It's like, yeah, America's done a lot of bad things, principally a lot of good things, and we can find some objectivity to looking at that that's not just drowning in whatever your agenda is that you want to push and um i guess since i have it uh I, i'm similar we're similar people i would say i'm a progressive i think society can and should get better that yeah. to me is uh, progressive i i don't know why anybody would uh, disagree with that maybe i guess a conservative minded person would say well it was pretty good just keep it that way. Maybe mm -hmm. they would say that. Um, if I'm, they were white and they had the GI Bill. Depending, and yeah. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. Depending on who you are and where you came from, yeah. I mean, that's what makes a conservative person is you like it the way it is, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, and I would say I'm, I used to call myself left of center. I am left of center, but I think the conversations moved so far left that I have friends of mine that I've known forever and they, like, passing, maybe just passing comments, but like, yeah, you're center-right, right? And I'd be like, no. I, mm. What are you talking about? I've known you forever. What do you, what do you mean? Like, I'm a, name one thing I'm right-wing about. I'm pretty center on a lot of things. I like listening to people. I like, um, I like hearing right-wing news sometimes. I like hearing smart, intellectual people like, what's his name, Ben Shapiro. I like listening to him talk. I don't agree with him on fucking anything. Anything. Um, not, I mean, some things. But, uh, yeah. Can I ask a question about yeah. this since we brought up Ben Shapiro? Yeah, Why please. hasn't he run for Congress? Uh, he's too smart. <laughs> I, I think that's a cop-out. Like, I think if he actually believes in the shit that he preaches, he yeah. should go fucking show us. It would be good. Like, I mean, he's very... The only thing I ever have a problem... I don't have a... I don't dislike anything he says, but the only thing I have a problem with what he says is is usually mixed up into religion, and, he, and he'll always... He'll always um, preface it with, well, I'm a Jew, so I'm an Orthodox Jew, so I believe this and this. And I always think that's a cop out, but mm -hmm. other than that, he's a sensible guy. And he, sh I mean, he should, he's a, he's, he uses logic and philosophy in his everyday life. Those are my favorite people. I mean, why shouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And then, um, my number one political philosophy that I worked out over years of trying to think this through like it's always on the back of your mind you know and mm -hmm. you kind of don't art you can't articulate it and then you articulate a little bit and i heard you pick apart what other people say so maybe some of these words aren't mine but i've picked up over the years if something is biologically innate in humans if something's biologically innate suppressing that will always Remanifest itself with a vengeance. So I'll break that down. Um, if you suppress something that is biologically human, that you unchangeably human, like, um, I'll give an example after. If when we suppress those things, like we often try to, like, oh, we'll just send you to jail. We'll just, we'll just outlaw it. Just outlaw that and 
then that'll, that'll be mm-hmm. fine. Like, coercive measures. That always re-manifests itself. That problem is still... That, that desire is still there to do that thing, or to, for people to behave that way. But all you're doing is suppressing it, and it's just gonna... It's like damming a river that just keeps flowing. Just keeps flowing, flowing. Mm. So you can dam that river all you want, but that water is still... It's still coming. It's still... It's just gonna flow over the sides and flood a town. So, like, a way to think about this is... Think about, um... Uh, like, prohibition in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. All thing, All... So, a lot of... Even social animals. Dolphins like to chew on... What are they? Uh, Pufferfish to poison them and get them all high. Mm. People like to change their mental states. We do it with coffee. We do it with alcohol. It depends on your culture. Across the board, people change their mental states with drugs of all sorts. So... But if, say, in the 1920s, they were thinking, okay, alcohol causes a lot of deaths, it's actually really bad for people, well, what we should do, we should just outlaw, it's fine. Those are good intentions, that's a good, intentionally, that's a good thing to do, but because it's a biological innateness that that we have inside ourselves to do those things, all it did was re-manifest itself in the worst ways. The market's still there, so then you create a black market, then you have mobs, and you, I mean, you have bootleggers, then... All the did all it did was skyrocket, and you can really apply that to any drug, like like pot and cartels mm-hmm. um, across across the board. Not that we should legalize all drugs, or maybe I'm, I'm more on the decriminalized side. Um, but like, uh, what is it? Portugal decriminalized all drugs and put all their money in um, that they're putting into the war on drugs uh, into uh, rehabilitation and helping people and um, seeing it as mental illness, and they have. Uh, super low overdose rates and addiction rates. It's like we need to start thinking like this. People are people. We need to start thinking mm-hmm. more biologically and uh, stop suppressing things that are always just going to be there because it's just going to end up in the worst way possible. If that no. makes any semblance. No, that makes sense. So, but the original topic is that we as a society are trying to control behavior. With laws. Guide behavior. Guide, I would say guide behavior. Guide behavior. Which makes sense, and there's always going to be people who step outside of that mm-hmm. boundary. But I think, to your point, like, prohibition... Let's, let's take prohibition, for example. Sure. Alcohol has been with our species for as long as plants have been domesticated. Mm-hmm. Like... 12 to 15,000 years? Uh, well, I don't... It depends when... What you think of domestication. Well, so, let's, let's go with... Egypt, one okay. of the world's oldest civilizations, beer and bread. Yep. Like, domesticated. But that beer is one of those objects. And, like, it was a major part of their fe- religious festivities. It was part of their culture. The, we have, alcohol has gotten to a point where we figured out distilling in the 1800s at the time when we had um, factories coming online. Uh, throughout the world, um, or in Europe in particular, with the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, the working conditions that prompted people to drink as heavily as they were with much hev- more heavily concentrated forms of alcohol. Oh, they make us look like existed. total pussies yeah, now. Like, I think it was like something drinking like... Drinking a fifth a day and have it with every meal. Well, and, yeah, it was, it was literally, like, I think the average... Uh, drinker was drinking a fifth of hard alcohol a day because the average person was working 16-hour shifts in factories that didn't have ventilation or um, were constantly having, uh, like... It's a lot easier to do when you have a strong buzz. Yeah. 
Exactly. You've come home to your tiny tenement apartment uh, where you've got your entire fam- extended family with one extended bathroom family. and one bedroom. Um, work Conditions for life were very rife and challenging. And to your point about, like, if there was ever a time to be in a pandemic, if there was ever a time to be in anything, and it's now. It's now. It's the best time to be a human being is it right now. It really is. No matter what, there are problems in the world, but no matter what skin color, anything, I just, I've had a, a friend of mine who's African-American disagree with me on that, and I, I just laughed. I couldn't, I was like, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but what time, even in America, pre-1960, would you have rather been a part of? You know what I mean? It's like, but that and that I think in itself is a travesty. And yeah, I think to, but 1960, so 1960 recently. didn't so didn't recently. Ma- but that's the point. Yeah, it's very recent. Mm-hmm. The black people are now able to talk about it and not have to fa- fear facing reprisal. They still do because you can still see things like happening, like what yeah. happened to George Floyd it was not that people. long like, ago. This happened during the pandemic. Like mm-hmm. the this, but. All of this stuff, like, you couldn't have a... People who were different races could not get married before 1972. Like, that was... Most of our parents were born way, well yeah, before that. That is insane to me that it took that long. Like, I have lived my entire life seeing people equally as just people who are just happened to have different skin colors the same way as someone might have different eyes or different hair color or whatever. That is, like, I think the goal is to get to yeah, a post-racial society where your skin color that. is no different. It shouldn't be looked at any different than your hair color. But I me. think that's the argument now. And I think this is where a lot of conservative people can fall short because they don't, they don't take it into account that that world doesn't exist yet. It does in terms of, on paper, yeah, you can't, like, segregation's not a thing anymore. But did that make racism go away? No. Did lynching stop? Like, shit's still whack. Or the, like, yeah, and the, and the undertones of that. I think, the, I think the echoes of those times still exist. Still exist. I, if not, I don't think pure outright racism, I don't think. I think it's so, it's super, it's more rare than anything. I think it's the undertones, and we, I would say it's like a hint of systemic, it's a systemic issue for sure, but we don't treat it like that. Like, a lot of people don't, like, they'll say there's a systemic problem in policing, but in my view, like, in the, this happened in South Africa, if you have a systemic problem in something, then you can't blame the individuals. You can, and they should, I mean, everyone has autonomy, but if, something is wrong systemically then you can't blame the individuals and you should have an opportunity for those individuals to um, what is it what was it called in south africa and apartheid uh the truth and reconciliation so they were unknowingly a part of that system and perpetuated it but you have that this this moment of, of truth and reconciliation where they say you know what i was a part of that and maybe there were some flaws with it but you don't blame the individuals for being an individual in that system whereas I see the, the, the speeches there now, say, it, say about policing, but calling like all cops pigs or like, you know, anything like that, the shooting cops, there was that one or a couple videos now. And, and it, I mean, it's not, it's not widespread. It's not everybody, but shooting I, cops. I, 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 there's like one on the freeway. Did you see that one where the, someone shot a cop? Like, 
Oh, two cops. Uh, so it's two cops. Uh, the guy, they, they're, they stopped this guy. I forget what he was probably, I think he was white. And they're trying to pull him out of the car. He's like, no, I'm not getting out of the car. I'm not going to jail. I'm not going to jail. And they're like, all right, you need to, you're going to get out of the car. You're, you need to, I mean, if you're anybody while I'm on this subject, if a police officer asks you to do something, you just, you need to do it. You'd have to know that it's super high stress situation. Whether you agree with it or not, you have to do what they say, whether you disagree with it morally or whatever. But the guy doesn't want to get out. The cop goes, uh, they go, they both go into one side of the car, they pepper spray him. Um, I don't even think some of it was questionable. The guy was not, he, he wasn't compliant. Didn't want to get out of the car. They start pulling him out of the car. He's like, no, no, he starts screaming. No, no, please don't, please don't take me to jail. I'm not going to jail. They finally get out of the car, trying to restrain him. Um, pepper spray him again. I, th they, I think they tased him first. They tased him first, then pepper spray, then pepper spray him again, pull him out of the car. And then out of nowhere, pulls a gun out of the waistband, shoots both cops, one of them dies. So you have to know, like, but that's the, we never see that story because we, the, we get fed a certain story because it's, it gets clicks of, like, it's a media narrative that we never see that because that's not the popular thing right now. Um, and it's the funniest thing with, like, people I know, I'm going to change subjects again because why not? Mm -hmm. um, everybody agrees that the media feeds us a certain narrative, right? It's mm -hmm. just constantly feeding us crap. But at the same time, we admit that and then eat the crap they sell us. We're just constantly, because it's all we see, and it's, and, and it's in our feed or on Instagram or Facebook, we all see it and we can talk about it. Do you read those things with a critical lens? No, what's that? Well, well as we discussed. Oh, with a critical. I thought you meant yeah. talking about Max. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, I so look at it and I say, well, why would the, so what's the, the flavor of the day is this? What's actually happening? What's it compared to other things I'm seeing? So I, I do see that. But at the same time, like, say, like, police killing African-American people. It happens. It's a total tra travesty. Some of them are insanely racist and disgusting. Some of them, I think, are painted as racist but are questionable because that's the political narrative right now. But on the same side, we're not ever going to see, like, those two cops getting killed. We're just not going to, you're not going to see that. Well, here's, here's a, the counter flip to that. Sure. Is that uh, you as an individual, have you ever had to be afraid that when you get pulled over for a traffic ticket, mm. that the cop is going to kill you? No. I think that is the, so that's the issue at hand. The is, overcorrection. I'll call it an, like the overcorrection narrative is I, meant I, to. I wouldn't uh, say it's an overcorrection. I would say it's more of. So you, to your point, you're talking about how police officers never get the, get the time of day when, when that kind of situation is warranted. The, yeah, the, well, the, I mean, just, but it's what getting I, what painted I'm, a certain way. But what I'm just, getting at with this is that yeah. for one of the first time, it's, well, really, so what we're witnessing right now, it's not just Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. This is the second civil rights movement. Yeah. Very much so. There are real problems that need to be solved and it requires peaceful minds getting together and reforming the institutions that have not served the general public with equality and i think that at this point in time we are starting to hear a lot more of these stories of these individuals who have met the ends of their lives um at the hands of agents of the state 
that is what they are, but they do not get, I think that Jocko Willink talked about this on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. They don't get enough training when they get started and then they're put on the street and they have, they, we have made the police department a bandaid for a lot of societal issues that for the most part, homelessness, drug addiction, it's not, those things can't necessarily support all of those different types of problems. These individuals have a lot of pressure put on them without the, like for the, to become a social worker, you have to go to college to do that. And like the, you have individuals who are in these professions who don't get necessarily that type of psychological training to deal with this. And then they put on PTSD on top of that when they're faced with these individual or these situations every day and that can wear on any kind of person uh but we as a society haven't really set this up well no and it's uh, it does the more i learn about policing the more i think like oh you should have a degree in psychology (laughs) to yeah or you know what i mean some sort of training to even deal with uh, most things i mean it's it just seems like to keep a level head to not escalate a situation to constantly be calm de-escalating de-escalating, de-escalating. Well, yeah, i mean if you That's, have the power you might as to, well be a fucking monk to try to do that like the kind of situation that's just insane but me. yeah and so but we have these people who are having to go out in the street armed with a weapon multiple weapons some of which are lethal and they're put into situations that nobody should really have to be in there are a lot of especially like, every day yeah you try to solve like to your point don't blame the individual in the situation that they're in, we should need to be looking at society at large. Yeah. What things are broken that are causing these bigger issues to come into light that put a situation in place where two individuals meet, people die, and that's the aftermath yeah. of something How can that's we make much it bigger. This so this doesn't happen. Ever, or I mean, it's always gonna happen, or at least minimize it. Minimize it. But it should be. That's the whole point of this this movement is that justice should be blind. Justice should apply to all individuals the same. Yeah. 100%. If you are a citizen of the United mm. States, it shouldn't matter what color your skin is, what political aspirations you have, um, any of that kind of stuff shouldn't really matter. You, yeah. as long as you are not hurting another person, it's very libertarian um, of you. Yeah. Well, again, if you're following the law. Or if you break the law, the law should apply to you the yeah. same, regardless of who you are. Yeah. Um, actually, since we're on that, um, yeah. so I, I agree. And so I agree about the past. I agree. And maybe it's just, it's not BLM I have a problem with, because I, I hope it's successful. And I hope this civil rights movement, the second civil rights movement, as you said, I want the world to be a better place. Mm. But I, what I, you know how in, so say in like Congress, they have a really good, like, they'll have a, and uh, like a, a law they're trying to sign into, or they have a, something they're trying to sign into law and they'll call it, it's like the freedom of saving children from, they name it, you know, the most ridiculous thing ever. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a really good thing. It's like, and who could vote, who could possibly vote against this thing? But, and then people do vote against it because little do you know. It's got all this baggage attached to it. They just yep. attach all this bullshit on the end of it, and then no one votes for it. And then they use it as political gunpowder later. It's like, he didn't vote for the, for the, if you don't vote for this, you're not a patriot act. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. 
but what they don't see is the little shit at the end of it that's just tacked on and that's what i see with there's some of that with blm philosophically um and a lot of it is just wokeism in general that me as a as a person on the left i'm a left-leaning person i've always been um especially when i was in college uh, more center now but i just see it going crazy like for example i'm an atheist i've been an atheist since i was 12 years old uh since the age of reason since i've met a mentor of mine and he showed me how to think critically gnostic so or agnostic oh maybe we should should we oh my god that's such a deep i'm an atheist in the weak sense so so you're a, so a if, agnostic you're you're not certain I would, I, I, I'm a philosopher. I, I've studied philosophy. I would never be certain about anything. I know better. Um, so if you make a, I'll get through it quickly. If you make a claim about the world, that's a positive claim. So there is a God is a positive claim. There is no God is a, is a positive claim about the world. You're, you're saying something about the world. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, atheism is a negative claim about the world and it shouldn't even really exist because it's, uh, I call it weak atheism, but uh, as opposed to strong atheism. But uh, so to me, it would be like if someone were to say, there is a God, me as an atheist would say, I don't believe you. Not that there is or isn't, just you haven't provided sufficient evidence, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So in a way, I think it's like Sam Harris, who always, who, who, I think he wrote it in um, a letter to a Christian nation. He said, uh, you know, the word shouldn't exist. You don't, you don't have a word for people who don't believe in geology. You don't have non-geologist words. So, like, the word, to me, shouldn't exist. So it doesn't tell you anything about me except for that I don't believe in God, or I don't accept that belief. So that's what I would say is... So I've been that since I was 12. Um, so I'm used to talking and being ridiculed and attacked by religious people, that, that mindset of religion. I've, uh, I've always put up with it. I've always had to defend myself. That's why I went to philosophy when... Um, probably in uh in for a bachelor's and then a master's because i was i've already done that i already been down that road i've been through the arguments this is easy now now i'm constantly having the same conversations with my left-wing friends and i can't for the life of me figure out why but i feel like it's a cult i feel like i'm dealing with cult members because i'm not allowed to speak the the, the mindset's the same the uh the purification, the if you're not with us, you're against us. Well, what is it that you're speaking about? I would say this woke wokeism in general, and I want to I don't want to paint it all with a bad pick, with with a brush because some of it's good. But this, say, canceling people from talking or canceling people in general, or saying you can't use certain words, um, or even like say if I speak out again, say I say. That philosophically, maybe I don't agree with BLM. That's a controversial thing to say. It's not that I hope that are not successful. I hope a lot of things are successful. So what is it that you disagree with? The philosophical foundation of what it is. A lot of it's neo-Marxist. A lot of it's group identities matter more than individuals. Um, classifying those groups in a power struggle or looking at people through, looking at history through that lens. It's a lens like we talked about before. Not the whole lens. Um, a lot of postmodernism, that would be this weird truth battle we're having, I guess. Like postmodernism, um, 1970s philosophy, French intellectuals, it's like Derrida and Foucault. Uh, it basically has two premises that matter for this conversation. 
One is that for any fact, there's an infinite, there's an infinite way, amount of ways, there's an infinitely many ways that you can interpret that fact. True statement. You interpret it any fact, infinite amount of ways. And then the second premise is, therefore, subconclusion, um, we shouldn't privilege any interpretation over any other interpretation. So that's where this, you lose all semblance of any truth whatsoever, because now any interpretation is, is as good as any other interpretation. And I hear that, those underpinnings a lot, um, which is weird that it's mixed up with like Marxism, because Marxism is an interpretation of the world, so there's like a bait-and-switch there. And it's not everybody, but it is, in the conversation I'm, ta I'm having, I get those undertones of like, I get labeled, and all that exists are groups, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. How can we be arguing for groups like right now? Like, why are we? It seems like we're re-racializing a society. Like, this wasn't Martin Luther King's dream. It was was let's judge people by their character, not the content or the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. But it seems like we're re-racializing now, and it's like the old racist arguments. I don't know that I would... in reverse. Like, but maybe discreet, but. I mean, so I think what we're seeing is like we're seeing everything. The internet has connected us. Okay. So we now have more visibility to what was existing under the surface that our provincial worldviews prevented us from seeing. There's a period of time where we, like, if you wanted to know what was going on in Turkmenistan, mm -hmm. you could pull out your phone and Google that, what's going on in Turkmenistan. You could learn about their culture. You could learn about their agriculture. You could learn about their political scene. All just because you were bored and interested. Yeah. People could not do that at all 40 years ago. Like, they'd be, they could turn into the TV, and they hopefully could see a show about Turkmenistan, maybe, if it was a war zone. Or something. Yeah. But we, we've come online. We now can, tra we have been able to translate everybody's history, for the most part, of what we have available. Um, we, over the last couple cent centuries, we've gotten all the information and we've just now been able to transcribe it. Like hieroglyphs, someone in the 1800s had to um, translate that for us to understand the Old Kingdom. Like, yeah. the, this is all new information. It's all new. No, and so we're, and on top of that, anything that happens, we, like, we're how violent everything seems with the media. And, like, I would say that violence is on the rise in this country, uh, given uh, Yeah, actually, yeah, given recently, the statistics show a uh, uh, huge rise in violence. And I, that's not a surprise because we're in a pandemic. And, yeah. like... People are their entire livelihood and also poor. They're, well, Forcibly yeah, they're, so sometimes. They're li yeah, a lot of people have lost their livelihoods. A lot yeah. of people have lost everything. And now they, to your point, if you have free time and you don't have a job and you don't have assets, you're going to be out trying to fix that problem somehow. It doesn't matter where you come from. True like or, de gonna, yeah. or delusional. You're going to try to... Whatever you see is the problem, you're going you're gonna to be out on the street. You're yeah, and so, like, I'm... It's a very challenging time for us in this country and in this world because we're going through something that none of us have really been able to come to grips with. 
Yeah. Uh, this is the first time, like, Spanish flu spread through and got everybody, but it wasn't something that, like, there was a coordinated effort across the globe to be able to have all your scientists sharing notes on yeah. how to combat the disease. That's a new thing. Like, so we're, we have the, the most educated population that's ever existed, the most literate population that's ever existed in the world. Um, like, we have more people able to speak more languages. Like, there's more access to opportunity for humans than there has ever been, and there's also more humans than there's ever been. So the planet has a huge strain on it. Everybody and their mom is trying to make it through this environment, but it's, it is a good thing that we have. It's just we are, we are overstimulated by it. We, we have access to every bad thing that ever happens. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. When a lot of that stuff has, for the most part, over the last several decades, has been on the decline. And I think it's because we're more connected. It's because we're, we become more progressive and accepting of other people and other cultures and other backgrounds. Um, do you see history as a... Uh, sorry for cutting you. That's okay. Um, do you see history repeating itself in some ways? And like, so what I, what I mean is people are people for the most part. Uh, evolution is way slower than I think a lot of people think it is, but people are people. Um, we're just put in different environments and different cultures and different times with different technology, but the underlying people are relatively the same. Mm -hmm. Do you see any what I see, patterns? What I see repeating, repeating is that we, our society, which has styled itself as being the heirs to Rome, is becoming the... I feel like we're at the point where Julius Caesar and the Third Triumvirate was forming. Oh, shit. Like, that is the level of corruption I see in our political processes. And you have a president who is talking about actively wanting to run for more than the two-term limit. That is what I see repeating, is someone who wants to be imperator for life. <laughs> yeah. That's what you, you think he'll do that? Um... I think I think if he survives COVID and he succeeds in winning this election, could you imagine if he didn't? What a year! Jesus Christ! I hope it gets better, but yeah. I hope so too. Holy shit! What a year! I I that man is is someone who I am diametrically opposed to, um, and I will use whatever legal means are necessary oh, yeah. to defeat him. Like, mm. but with peaceful nonviolence. Fascinating person to watch. I, He's I've become less political as I've gotten older. I feel like I'm 50. But uh, I kind of just want. I like, I like to... I don't pay attention to any day-to-day. -day. Oh, hell no. I get caught up in that. No way. But I, I like to I sit am back and... I am subscribed to his Twitter feed. Like you're, like you're reading history, but it's in front of you. It's how I kind of like... I do subscribe to his Twitter feed. I get it on my phone, and my, my friends are like, why, do you, why are you getting Donald Trump notifications on my phone? Like, well, because we... That's the closest we're going to get to is actual mind. And yeah, it's pretty it's, fragmented. It's um, but to me, I see this this person like there's no but there's no. It, you want to take the argument that he's making jokes? Okay, he's a troll. He's a troll. Sure, but he mm. he's doing that to test the waters. We'll find out on November fourth. Yeah, he's doing that to test the waters. So uh, like that to me 
if if he wins, that should be the only conversation that we should be having for the next four years in the opposition camp. Yeah. Is yeah, there there's a lot of folks who would like to see Obama run again. Um, but that's not how the system works, yeah. Donald. So that's <laughs> not gonna happen. Like we have to prevent that from happening. The reason there was a soundbite recently about AOC. Have a huge problem with that. Oh, they I, they should. I think he'd lose a lot of his base. Oh, he those base camp guys. You, you I mean, you would think, and yeah. yet here we are. It's more of. <laughs> I think you'd more. I think more real, realistically, you'd get him. Maybe he loses, and then, and and he, and maybe he leaves, and then, um, then you have somebody with a who has control of a huge base part of the population, twenty plus percent. I don't depending on how you measure it totally opposed with a huge following and a twitter handle opposed to the current president and you have this weird and we're stuck in our own bubbles so you have this two kings thing going on where one's elected and one's not and that that is a weird worry for me well yeah i mean weirdly best case scenario well yeah we so here's what's going to happen with donald trump if he wins he's going to try to run for more than two terms that's what is going to be his agenda item and that I'm gonna make that bet It'll now. Be on 2024 for sure. That that would be my bet right now is that he's gonna try to be on the 2024 ballot if he wins. Yeah, and, with a lot of gripes. Yeah, but he's gonna try. And if he loses, he's gonna try to pull a Grover Cleveland mm. and uh, run again in the next election cycle because he can, if he can. Yeah. Either that or he's gonna have some error that he appoints, but. Do you think Donald Trump really has, other than Ivanka, like, I don't think that there's anybody that he truly cares about. Oh, no, the man's a narcissist in the worst sense. But um, I think the world will be better for him, weirdly enough. Um, the whole... He's lowered the bar, certainly. Yeah. Um, how do I even put this? I think the things he exposes and how we treat our leaders and the, how how silly you can be and still be elected and I want part of me wants to think that it'll be better in the end because maybe you don't have to be a politician to be a politician or to be president. Maybe there I mean there are there's some silver lining to it, but well, I mean I see AOC is kind of the perfect example of that. She Donald Trump wins in 2016. She becomes elected to Congress 2018, the youngest woman to be elected to Congress. And Reaction to a... Yeah, yeah, and someone who is avowedly socialist. She's like, very socialist. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, when you brought her up, I was like, ah. But, but she's someone who believes with conviction what she believes in, and it's a truth, so and Hitler. it's something that is consistent. <laughs> I, I would not put them in the same No, no, I wouldn't. I, I, no, well, she's, like, well, Hitler's more on the right side of things, and she's on the left side. So, so oh, I thought you said Hillary. Uh, no, not Hitler. No, not, no, not at all. I said Hitler. Uh, no, oh. no, that was just me being facetious. Uh, but she's on the socialist side of, like, Stalinistic or Maoist socialist. Have you listened to her speak? Like, any of her instagram lives or any of her like yeah. testimonies in congress um, i've read her 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 tweets uh, and some of her when she goes viral for chewing somebody out i'll listen to some of those it's the uh actually this will get into a, a good topic so go ahead listen listen to some of her her policy discussions there's mm. like one of the things that she did earliest in her um tenure was kind of go through a breakdown with one of these committees 
like where she was like, okay, so if I was a really bad person and I did these things, would that be legal? And the committee had to say yes. Like she went through a bunch of these scenarios that were just like really corrupt situations that you could like be very self-serving with to illustrate the point that that is how our government is acting. Like, I think she truly believes about the environment. I think she truly believes about people. We may not necessarily agree on the philosophical basis of the the standpoint, but I think she wants to make a difference. Yeah. And she, because of Donald Trump becoming president, because someone like Donald Trump could become president, someone like AOC, who just with her courage and what she believes in, could put her hand up and say, I'm going to try. Like, it opens the floodgates. Now anybody can do this, and I think that that is the point where anybody who's considering running for office, or anybody who has never really thought about it but is a leader in their communities, should be really thinking about who is running this place, and could someone better who could make a difference do something? Like, yeah. I um, hope people will do that. Let me convince, try to convince you about the underlying philosophy, because I, I actually agree with all of that. Um, I think she has the best intentions. But in my experience, some of the worst things in history have happened with the best intentions. Okay, let's, um, let's, let's break down some of I, these. I will. Um, so I think what we're going to end up in is some form of the, the argument will be, I can't in any way morally or philosophically support equality of of quality of outcome measures and maybe i'll break that down but so i think anybody with any sense in their mind will support equality of opportunity measures yes lifting people up raising the tide for all boats lifting people up so that we all start this race in life at somewhat you're never going to get it equal at somewhat of the same level, mm-hmm. and let everybody do their thing. Where I have a huge problem with people like maybe AOC, and maybe this is just a problem with the far left in general. Why is why I'm distancing myself as a liberal person, totally liberal. I'm not conservative, not one bone in my body. Is equality of outcome measures, and what I see is that's it's all stemming from the same thing. It's um, it's this, it's this inequality debate we've had. How can so much, so many have so much, while so, or how how can so few have so much, while so many have so little? And this is even in in uh, in uh, the animal kingdom, even in nature and biology. Uh, social organisms are set up in a hierarchy, mm-hmm. as as we are. We have different talents. We are going to organize ourselves hierarchically. If you're better, you're going to higher up in the hierarchy and we, the, the united states has thousands of hierarchies but what's happening in the united states is with any hierarchy if the bottom portion of that hierarchy if it's too hard to to climb the hierarchical ladder ladder and people pull at the bottom those people usually develop a certain kind of mindset it's usually marxist and socialistic but usually equality of opportunity measures start coming for, forth and it's usually and what I, why I say Marxist is it's an attempt to smash the hierarchy. It's not working for us. Let's just break the whole fucking thing. Let's just flatten it out. And that's what, I'd say that's what communism is. Everyone's equal across the board. Nobody makes more than anybody else-ish. But, it's, but like a flattening. That's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's not, 
an ideal hierarchy would kind of be like an upward climb. Ours is kind of extreme. That's why people feel so, so badly. But why I say that this exists in nearly all social animals, like that's why we have the term pecking order in for like birds. Mm -hmm. If you put a bunch of birds together of the same species, they're going to, they're going to fight and fight. And eventually they're going to organize themselves into a hierarchy so that they don't have to fight anymore. Here's the top one. Same thing. Um, say we'll bring up like chimpanzees. The alpha chimpanzee, or say a uh, gorilla, anything like that. Say uh, bonobo. They, I think they all operate similarly. Well, bon- bonobos are, are um, matriarchal society. Matri- that's right. That's so right. So they're not very combative. The uh, chimpanzees are. They, yeah, that's right. They have sex to, uh, to solve diff- <laughs> to solve problems. It's the chimpanzees. That's what it is. It's uh, um, the alpha has to he can't just have whatever he wants he can't just take whatever he wants he gets a lot of things but he has to maintain a stable hierarchy in his tribe because he knows that on any given day the guy below him and the guy and the guy below that guy together can take him out if he mistreats them to in any substantial form so he has to maintain that structure um and give them a little bit or just enough to maintain that because he'll get torn apart limb from limb the same thing exists in societies we have to make the hierarchy easy to climb for people so they don't pull up at the bottom and get this french revolution french revolution mouse china soviet union it even happens on the other side of the spectrum like nazi germany was more right-wing i would say um but so you get that pull then you get these feelings that and that's what i see is under everything I think it it's more financial inequality than anything. Like, like the ninety nine percent thing in two thousand twelve. Like, I just saw a video with a. It was in Portland. Of it was this year. It was George Floyd with a sign on his neck that said, "We are the ninety nine percent." And I thought, what in the hell do those things have to do with each other? I was like, I think it's because one. There are some other things in there, of course. One really underlies the other, and it's that that financial. It's the it's the financial problem. Well, yeah, I mean, what you're but what you're seeing, and I think why that type of philosophy resonates with people who are struggling, is because there's no other option. Exactly. Like, so need, if I can't help, if I can't move forward or move up, then I have nothing to lose. So why don't I just tear the whole fucking thing down? That's why you have this anarchist kind of presence. You have the yeah, and you also have the the opposite. I mean, you're seeing the most extremist elements on both, on sides, both sides, obviously. Of our society yeah, yeah. are emerging because they're being given voice by someone who's driving division mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this nation. Yeah, there's a, a weird parallels to uh, like the Soviet Union versus Nazi Germany, where I would the Soviet Union's. I think maybe. Well, yeah, so so let's let's take this as a, a double click out. Just yeah. to kind of from a from a more macro view. Yeah. What we are discussing is humans struggling in society. Like you kind of I wanted to try to follow this in a coherent vein. So with the chimpanzee argument, yeah. What you're describing is we were more akin to that when we were a hunter gatherer society and we traveled in small packs. Sure. Um that doesn't exist in a society that has money or abstract sure. concepts that we have invented and agree upon um, because they're human constructions. Mm. Like, there's a power, like, you and I didn't pick that the, the US dollar is our currency system. Yeah, like, well, so money is a human social construction, but the need, my, my point was that 
the need for people to organize themselves into hierarchies is not a construction. I think it's well, very, that is, it's that very is true. deep in our biology. That is true. Okay. But, but as far as the issue now, the inequality conversation, the talk about 1% versus 99, like the, the structures that are in place are monopolies that have allowed that kind of wealth to exist in a small concentration of people. And sure, some may have earned it and in might have worked really hard in school. Another, did, yeah, yeah, but they also happen to know somebody who may have had a government contract and then and all of a they sudden went to they, a private school yeah, and then like, to MIT. Yeah, and had these go connections. Fuck yeah. So the the thing then, to your point, I don't think equality of outcome will ever happen. Equality of opportunity is is more achievable, but that needs to be available to people in the form of education. Exactly. Um, yes, yes. And like, I think 100%. the argument that you can be made is like, how do you pay for all this stuff? But like, if you if someone has doesn't have to worry about education, doesn't have to worry about ruining themselves financially if they get sick, um, or being able to like if they lose their job because it was automated away, that there's some kind of system in place to allow them to go back to school. Yeah retrain retool um or and like that that's where conversations like ubi can come into place where it's like with these monopoly structures like data this is something that is actually kind of interesting for me about the ubi conversation and where where it's coming from in the silicon valley kind of view that andrew yang has about it um like data is now the most valuable commodity on earth it's more valuable than oil Mm -hmm. and that's you and I's information just being tracked by things like Facebook and Google and all of that's information. What's our buyer behavior? What like all that stuff is very valuable to marketing companies who want to try to sell it you makes, products. It makes and, what used yeah, to be a chance or semi chance into almost a certainty if you're trying to sell something on the internet. Yeah, so there's a lot of science and a lot of math and a lot of work being put into this information that these the biggest companies that have ever existed on Earth. Mm. Uh, not just in the United States, like on the planet. Like these companies now have a ton of power and influence and value that is all. It doesn't exist without humans. Yeah. Thing and well, I think you, you more. Of, the, uh, we're the the minds. We're, yeah. We're not not the minds, but the my m i n e s. Yeah. They're, that they're harvesting. And a lot, but yeah, and a lot of this this world that we have now is a result of scientific achievements and patents and it's not always good sometimes we need to back up a little bit well right and so but like automation industrialization the people who had that the the, this is the marxist argument is that like the folks who owned the means of production got everything yeah and the folks who didn't were those folks we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation (laughs) were working 16 hour days and drinking a fifth to deal with the stress that dealt with that in their terrible living conditions, and so, their chance of their the, those people's chance of their children making it, as opposed to the other people, are it's it's not even on the board. It's just yeah. it's astronomical. So so there, when you have a lot of people who do not have anything, like they're yeah. they don't have enough money to cover the rent if they lose their job that month, kind yeah. of thing. That's a very serious issue, and as more jobs are being replaced by. Uh, technologies that are automating them away there's eventually going to be a point where most people are going to need to learn how to do code or sales 
to make it kind of thing. And that's kind of a bleak yeah. future. Or even with the conversation about AI, um, uh, Yuval Noah Harari wrote Sapiens and Homo Deus. Sapiens, yeah. Sapiens is a great book. One of the, one book. Of the best. Everybody should read it. It's one of the best books ever. It's fantastic. Um, what he said in the second book was that the 20th century was the fight for uh, the exploitation of workers. That's what we were fighting for, um, the capitalism, communism, and this and that. He said that we're still fighting that fight, but we shouldn't be. What we should be fighting, what we should be moving into, is uh, the 21st century's problem will be the irrele- irrelevancy of the worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he might be right. Uh, there's that argument that, like, well, no, new markets will always open up, but that's not always going to be the... It might not always be the case with AI, and it's it's an interesting thing to think about um, as we move towards automating more and more of our lives. And it it actually might even be the white collar that loses a lot more jobs than the blue sooner than later, um, as, it, as it seems. I mean, how much of your job could you automate? How much of my job? I feel like most of my job I could automate if I feel automated when I do it but um I don't want to get on an AI tangent but no uh, I mean like but I think you're right I mean I I see it even in sales where there's technologies that make our jobs easier and then people become too reliant on it's like oh hey like why don't you just that's what we do send automated emails instead of writing individual emails we make stuff to make stuff easier we make a tool to make a tool to make a tool We've done it since... And you just described all the cloud tech industry, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, half. Of, you, you know how many businesses are in the tech world? People have no idea. They're just businesses who sell to businesses or businesses that do a part of somebody's business so that they don't have to do it anymore. It's like the, the, outsour- the outsourcing is just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I want to... I do want to point one thing out because I want to... Back to like a Soviet Union versus Nazi Germany argument. Just that comparison, maybe I can sit on for a second. It's more maybe a Maoist China, but we'll, let's keep it on Soviet Union. Okay. Because I think people need to hear it. Um, people need to know that, like, say your political party, people are always like, oh, if we just had more liberals or we've had more conservatives, if anything I want to push is for the middle road, that, can, that we have to come back to talking to each other and having consensus. Because... No matter what side of the aisle you're on politically, left or right, there is a version, and many on either side, there's an instance of that going really, really wrong if that side gets too much power. And both sides can go wrong um, in terrible ways. And why I bring up like Nazi Germany versus the Soviet Union is because those are really good examples in the 20th century of the left wing going wrong and the right wing going wrong. So... Broadly, philosophically speaking, how can the right wing go wrong? Well, it always goes wrong in a similar way. It's usually ethno-nationalism. Very strong senses of nationalism. Those people are other. They look different. They act different. Um, and you get that in Germany. Natives versus immigrant. Exactly. And, that, and you can tell that's, I mean, Hitler in, in his core was a very orderly, cleanly person. He showered multiple times a day. Um, Cyclone, was it A, was first used to uh get rid of rodents in in his factories i think that's what it was for um he was very he was it's about it was always about purification and he talked about jews as if they were subhuman so there's this cleansing aspect to it. it's very orderly it's very mm-hmm. that's where the ethno that's the, the worst case 
for the right wing. And then you have the opposite um, for the left wing, and left wing people need to hear this. You, it can go wrong. You can... Left wing people in this country are too used to being right because they were right for a long time. They had the moral high ground for a long time. But you can go wrong. And where you can go wrong is a quality of uh, outcome measures. Uh, the, is anybody really right. asking for that right now, though? I think I, I, maybe, it's my, maybe it's my bubble that I'm in. But I. Like, is it in relation to healthcare? So, no, because I'm, I'm for healthcare, and that can be an equality of opportunity measure. Let's give everyone healthcare. But the. The smashing, the, the uh, let's see if I can come up the with it. The taxing corporations or taxing billionaires. Even that is, I mean, that's socialistic in nature. And, um, I mean, we don't live in a total capitalist country. And, I mean, it's never, it'll, it'll never be like that. We have social aspects. Mm-hmm. We're basically fighting over, we're arguing about how much capitalism versus how much socialism we want. Um well, I mean, we're still dealing with the after effects of World War II. FDR served more, t- like almost four terms. Yeah, um, yeah. And if he hadn't died of polio, he probably would have kept going. Been. But two years after his death was when they put in the law that made it a two-term limit. But during that time, we had the government have monopolies on a lot of different contracts on like building factories or like are using factories to make weapons and things like that and all of that got nationalized we had one air like pan am was the 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 mm-hmm. airline yeah kind of thing the we that was that when the government was at its most powerful was right at the end of world war ii like and we ended up being able to like that was our the strongest federal government we had ever had and we've been dealing with it kind of being more privatized over time but we still have things like social security we still have things like the gi bill we still have things like subsidies for agriculture um that are inexplicably always going to be there yeah those are so like socialist aspects you brought up andrew yang i think he's actually a really good example of so in my opinion we should have those social programs but i think having the government do it should always be the last resort because the government has a really good way of fucking it up all the time and that's why i liked um like andrew yang because he he has better he had good ideas and what it was is you know the government has a a tendency to fuck stuff up, especially like socialistically, they try to grow like like companies, uh, especially in the departments. So if we can keep it out of that, let's do that. But also, but let's keep those same ideas because they're good. Like his uh, idea of UBI. Mm-hmm. Let's just give everybody a thousand bucks. Fine, buy your own healthcare. We'll keep the healthcare market. Fine, or or uh, and then over time, I think his idea was we're going to eliminate a lot of these social programs that just waste money. And why I like that idea is because, well, it, it appeals to uh, liberal people, left-leaning people, because you get the social programs, and it appeals to right-wing people because you get less government waste. And that's what I like to see most of all is just better and better ideas. Like, why are we still having this weird socialism versus capitalism debate? We know it's going to be both. Mm-hmm. Let's just have a better idea of how to do that. Like, it just seems we're, we're having arguments in the 20th century, but we're in the 21st century. Let's have better arguments. and. Um, actually, that maybe one of my. I'll just ask you a couple more questions. But um, one of my last ones: Who are you voting for in the <laughs> 2020 election? Well, I'm voting for Biden because I'm voting for the Republic. That's the. 
That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the way that I view it. That's my my mm-hmm. view on this. Yeah, but Ex- yeah, completely. Uh, it's I don't blame you. But what I would say is that I think what we need to come to terms with, and I think this is the point of the Black Lives Matter conversation. The only conversation that really is happening, no matter what the right wants to say about like its leaders being Marxist or whatever it is, yeah, like because it's really it's more than just the organizers who are putting yeah, this thing that, together. that's why it's, I hesitate to like because, criticize yeah. it because I hope it does well and I hope that its its worst members don't take control. If that if that if if, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, but so I, I mean the, the, the argument is point. about making sure that there is equality. Yeah. And that the law is applied to all citizens with equality. Like, mm-hmm. justice needs to be blind. It needs to apply to all people yeah. the same. We, if we can agree that all people, all individuals, should have the same rights and opportunities, then those, uh, like, then we can start talking about the economic aspect of things. It's like, how do we make things more equitable? How do we make there be better opportunities to pay for people to go to the hospital or go yeah. to school or whatever. We can have those conversations, but it can, we can't have that without seeing each other as equals. Yeah. I, I was going to, I was going to, I remember I was going to read something um, that I found. Uh, so I was reading a book. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called. I'll figure it out later. Um, it's a, it's by a psychologist who was in a in, uh, concentration camp in um in Auschwitz and he got moved to Dachau and he survived and he wrote down his thoughts on all of it how it affected all the prisoners psychologically and I was going to bring this up during our equality of outcome uh talk but it was basically the it's an underlying psychological feature that when a community is suppressed long enough and then given a, a certain power that they become there can be a, a resentment in it that can poison it. And that's why I, I push back so hard is because I don't want the hat to happen because I am a liberal person. I want liberal policies. And, and I don't want that resent, resentful seed to grow. And here, I'll just I'll read it. Um, so it's about he got out of this is uh, post-World War II, and he's with uh, like a friend of his in a, that he used to be uh, imprisoned with. And he says... During this psychological phase, one observed that people with natures of a more primitive kind could not escape the influences of brutality which had surrounded them in camp life. Now being free, they thought they could use their freedom licitiously and ruthlessly. The only thing that had changed for them was that they were now the oppressors instead of the oppressed. They became instigators, not objects, of willful willful force and injustice. They justified their behavior their behavior by their own terrible experiences. This was often revealed in an apparently insignificant events. A friend was walking across a field with me towards a camp when suddenly we came to a field of green crops. Automatically, I avoided it, but he drew his arm around through mine and dragged me through it. I stammered something about not treading down the young crops. He became annoyed and gave me an angry look and shouted, You don't say, and hasn't enough been taken for me, from us? My wife and child have been gassed, not to mention everything else, and you would forbid me from treading on a few stalks of oats. So, if that makes sense at all, it's like, 
I just I, I know historically it can go bad, and I don't want that to happen. So if if anybody I can be like I, I can be on like the side of these people, and like I'm on I'm on your bandwagon. I hope you do well, but at the same time I'm gonna be on the brake pedal too, and I'm gonna be like, hold on, let's let's uh let's pump the brakes on some of this. We need to think some of this out. Let's not stop canceling people. Let's have more civil discourse. Let's not um like run through towns and riot and destroy stuff let's you know what i mean like i see that resentment in the background and that we can't let that grow and we we have to well yeah and i think i course. think you wouldn't find mo- i think you would find that most people would be i think i think you're right like- i think it's a small minority but often minorities are are the small minority is often the loudest and most destructive or can be um and we need to be and that's why I'm so hard on left people because I am left wing and and I think we need to be hard on our own, you know what I mean? Because that just makes us all look bad, honestly. Um and I guess before we go, or any last thing before No, I mean like this was a fascinating conversation. I yeah, like we have to do it again these. sometime. Yeah. Or sometime soon we'll get it uh we'll do longer too because I know it's it's getting late. Um and I did want to ask you I'll probably ask everybody. Three books everybody should read. Well, I mean, you already named one of them. Um, that was one of the, mine, uh, too. Sapiens. Uh, Yuval Noah Harari uh, was great. Um, I'm reading Smoke Signals right now, which is a deep, underst- uh, like a deep historical um, dive into cannabis. Okay. Um, and, like, its history, how it's been criminalized, and, like, what the different uses have been throughout different cultures in the world. This, that's been really cool. So okay. anybody who's interested in understanding that from a criminal justice standpoint or like as a consumer. Just as a, like a, not a psychedelic, but a, it, it does, do they talk about hemp or anything like that? Like yeah, actual yeah. Well, utility? I mean, and- well, hemp, hemp, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, is just the male variety. I believe, I believe you're right. Um, like, hemp is the English word okay. for cannabis. Like building, or like making paper and rope and all that yeah, kind of Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fiber crop as yeah. much as it is a psychotropic. Yeah, psychotropic, that's the word, that's right. Um, and your third? Uh, and the third, um, probably The Secret History of the Mongol Queens. Never read it. Um, it's by um, it's Jack Weatherford. Um, it's a really interesting book. He does. He's probably one of the most um, renowned uh, like historians on Mongolian history. Interesting. And he does. The, what's interesting about that is uh, he does the um, a, the secret history of the Mongol queens. There was a uh, in the secret history of the Mongols. There was a lot of, or like, there was actually a lot of very prominent uh, female leaders within Genghis Khan's family and circle. Okay. But a lot of their histories have been kind of erased um, or redacted from the original source material. So what he did was he went and got all this information about these very prominent female historical figures by looking through all the different cultures that wrote about them and was able to make a a connected picture um, of the daughters of Genghis Khan and Mm. their descendants. And there are a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Well... But it actually, it, it was their, his descendants that, that had the many, many, many like concubines and stuff. He only had a couple of wives and uh, really few I swear I've read direct children. Yeah, no, but... I've read like a podcast or something. It's like, isn't it like a certain percentage of the entire a- Asian population have some of 
Genghis Khan's DNA. Well, or something think about like that. that. If all of his sons had harems, and all of their sons had harems, and all of their sons had harems, that's a life. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's how that happens. But Genghis Khan himself only God, had only like three wives. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's just piling and piling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Thanks for having fun. me, brother. Of course. Yeah, Thanks for coming. It. We'll do it again real soon.